Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential plan on us. mintmobile.com/switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month, unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month, face lower speeds, videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential plan. Auto renews after 6 months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's fair to say that we grew up in a reasonably affluent area. That is fair to say. Well, not not the most affluent. Like, I'd say the eastern suburbs and the north shore would still look down on us. Yeah. Mm. But But we're in the... We're pretty darn middle class. Yeah. So, you Like, I feel like a lot of people try and lean into working class credentials. It's like, oh, man, I was a real battler. It's like, unfortunately, we... we, Our school was called the Leafy School by the Bay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. One of the interesting tests, as a, as a kid, you've got no concept of, like, affluence apart from, like, one-story house, two-story house. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, for me, yeah, I didn't yeah, even yeah. consider that waterfront would mean wealth. Yeah, sure, yeah, sure. yeah. Just got lucky. Yeah. <laughs> Came <with the> <laughs> well, no, I, I didn't like waterfronts. So like, I want a backyard. I want to be able to play cricket. Mm. Makes sense. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah. Good One point. of my metrics that I used to try and ascertain a family's wealth is, did they have a foxtail or not? Yeah, oh, yeah. One. Yeah, that yeah. is a good one. Um. Yeah, it's similar to uh, if you had uh, the the water dispenser in the fridge door. True. I think that was a sign of wealth. A if you had pool. a te- a heated pool, a TV mounted on the wall as opposed to standing, I felt was. I see. I was just three years in front of you, so that they would have just been coming in as I was. Yeah. Okay. Yep. But yeah, Foxtel definitely. Did you have Foxtel camp? I did. Wow. But here's the thing. Must be very nice. So my good friend lived on a waterfront, but he didn't have Foxtel. So I just assumed <laughs> that we were so much richer than him. Yeah, you're like, this guy, poor battler. <laughs> it's like, don't worry, I'll, I'll get your food at the canteen today, mate. So, <laughs> so yeah, no, we did we did have Foxtel. My, um, my dad got it for Sky News, uh, <laughs> but it was so good. It meant that I could watch Fox footy hmm. on Saturdays. And so um, that said, mate, would want to come over to the house all the time yeah. to watch Fox Footy. That's so funny that you're like, it's like I'll go around to my... Fox my, Footy wasn't even a thing back then. Sorry, Fox, yeah, Fox like, Sports 2. Well, no, actually, been. I'll correct you there. 2006, Fox Sports 1. 2007, Fox Sports 3. 2008, 2009, Fox Sports 2. Okay, thanks for clearing that up. Uh, they, I, they kept changing it every year. Last yeah. thing we want is to be lying on the airwaves, you know. <laughs> Don't get bossy to us for defamation. Yeah, that was good. The Prem would have been on it back in those days uh, as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was always... Early high school was always like, oh, I really want to watch The Prem. And it, mm-hmm. so there I am waking up at like 2 a.m. to watch it on like some like <laughs> dingy site where there's like hot singles in your area and like <laughs> all this kind of stuff popping up. And uh, there I am just... <laughs> <laughs> I just want to watch Coutinho. Yeah. <laughs> so we are going to talk Murdoch today. To understand the Murdoch story, we want to go back 100 years. Yep, mm. way before wow. Fox, Fox Sports Two <laughs> generational wealth. I can you imagine trying to explain to Keith Murdoch Fox, what Fox Sports Two <laughs> would eventually become? So more or less, so, so Keith Murdoch was Rupert Murdoch's father. He became significant because he was a journalist during World War One. He was also engaged to the daughter of the future Prime Minister of Britain, Bernard Law. Wow! If that marriage went ahead. Murdoch probably wouldn't have been... Well, yeah, there would be no Rupert Murdoch. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) 
there would have been Rupert Law. Um, mm. No, actually, yeah, no, yeah. actually, you don't take the law. Yeah. Anyway, so, <laughs> um, he was a small-time journalist, okay? So he was big by Australia standards, but he wasn't a, like, tycoon or anything. Mm. So he was the editor for the Melbourne Herald, and he had shares in the Adelaide News and the Brisbane Courier. That was pretty much the extent of Keith Murdoch's media monopoly. He was involved in the cabinet during World War II, so Robert Menzies brought him along to be the Director General of Information, and basically his job was to give orders to newspapers as to what they should and shouldn't publish during World War II. Yeah. yeah. So he was significant in that front, in that respect. But then after the end of World War II, he kind of goes back into relative obscurity, and that's when Rupert Murdoch's growing up. Mm-hmm. Rupert Murdoch went by the name Red Rupert. Kind of like was, mm, you go. I was just going to made me think of like a red ripper. You know, the, uh, <laughs> the rebranded Chewy Lolly. Sorry, now you. No, why was he called Red Rupert? <laughs> I would like to think it was because he was in Cook. In yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That was not why he was called Red Rupert. That's a shame. He was not in the Red House in primary school. Mm. Well, we don't know that. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> Did you look that up? <laughs> That's funny. The first thing I look up for any person. <laughs> Why do you think he was called Red Rupert? Uh, is a, was he a commie? He was, was a commie. Well, yeah, he liked yeah. Labour. So, hmm. which which is interesting to think about because you don't think of Red Rupert. Yeah, look how, how the mighty have fallen. Yes. So, his dad... So, Keith Murdoch was a very pro-liberal EOAP, depending on the time, what what the party was called. It's very much pro the Liberal Party. And basically, he was like, that's fine. I'm I'm a tolerant guy. I can have my son be a lefty, be, mm. be Red Rupert. It's probably like, it's just a it's just a young person idealism phase. Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. And so, what he does is he's like, go spend some time with Ben Chifley and go hang out with Ben after World War II. And let's see if you're still, still Red Rupert after that. Rupert Murdoch actually ends up really liking Ben Chifley. Again, mm. Ben Chifley is like the true blue Aussie that we said, like it's mm. a pretty impossible guy to hate by all accounts. And, and Menzies also quite liked him as a person. Uh, Menzies also really liked John Curtin as a person. We don't talk about that very often. So that doesn't work. So eventually Rupert Murdoch goes over to study in Oxford and they still call him Red Rupert in Oxford. He had a poster of Vladimir Lenin in his college dorm. Damn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, that that is the same Rupert Murdoch. But while over in Oxford, Keith Murdoch died. Oh no! And so Rupert Murdoch fled home. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I've got to go. <laughs> well, yeah, he does. Like yeah. his dad died, right? So he. But the tough thing for Rupert Murdoch is he's got to deal with the business of. What do you do with your dad's empire? So he's like early twenties at this point. Yeah, yeah. So he flies over to Australia and in Australia basically we have at the time we have uh, huge death duties so basically death taxes to kind of account for the fact that inheritances are in inherently unfair like just because you're the son of someone really rich you've done nothing to earn your wealth we're going to tax you a fair bit for it hmm. because you didn't earn that money your father did and we're going to redistribute that money to the people rather than just have you claim it. It's like one of the biggest, in right-wing circles, it's like one of the biggest issues that, because it's they call it the death tax. The government mm. just calls it like, like basically inheritance allocation, kind of f- fair funding. And so Murdoch gets hit with these pretty significant death duties and that starts to pivot him away from being Red Rupert a little bit. He's like, oh, actually, no, this, this kind of like socialism, like kind of social policy, high taxes, we, we don't like it now. The reason why he really doesn't like death duties is not just because it's financially a burden. It's because he then has to sell his dad's shares in the Brisbane Courier to fund those death duties. So really, at the end of the day, what happens is there's a deal that when Keith Murdoch dies, the Melbourne Herald can buy Murdoch's ownership shares off of Keith Murdoch's family. So Keith Murdoch, who was editor of the Melbourne Herald, that's taken away from the Murdoch family. The Brisbane Courier is taken away from the Murdoch family to pay for the death duties. So he is just left with the Adelaide News. That is the only thing that Rupert Murdoch inherits when his dad dies. Wow. Because we often think of him as being like, yeah, like a Nepo baby because of his dad. He's actually, like he gets, it's like, see, the thing of Donald Trump, he's like small loan of a million dollars. And everyone kind of made fun of Donald Trump. but like, oh yeah, a million dollars, million dollars more than I had. It's like, 
No, that's still pretty impressive. Like to that's like a lot of people win a million dollars on reality TV shows and just squander it like that. Hmm. It's a head start. Don't get me wrong. It is a, a bigger head start than most people get, but it is not a foregone conclusion that you'd end up being the most powerful person in the world when you just own the Adelaide News. Hmm. Like whoever owns the leader, yeah, <laughs> they're on the up. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably Murdoch. <laughs> True, actually, it could be. Yeah. So, in so he takes over, and basically throughout the fifties, he's just kind of like keeping the business afloat. In the nineteen sixties, he starts to make some moves. So, nineteen sixty four, he buys, or so he actually starts the Australian. Mm. At that point in time, the Australian is considered, like, there's no way this will work. The reason why is because Australia is so segregated. Like, we have a colonial history where we are Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane. And to have a national newspaper rather than just kind of local newspapers that are specific to local needs just seems unfathomable. It would be like having, like, the European Union News Daily, which is mm-hmm. what Euro News is. You're like, actually, no, I want British news. I want to know what's going on in my country. I don't care about Lithuania, like that sort of thing. Mm. But it doesn't fail. It ends up becoming one of the most important newspapers in Australian history. He was, Rupert Murdoch started to support the country party. Okay. So in the kind of UAP coalition, he wasn't a huge Menzies guy. He wasn't a huge Harold Holt guy. He was a big John McEwen guy. And so he was always a supporter of the country party. And he really didn't like Billy McMahon. So the guy that would eventually be the last liberal leader in the line from Menzies through to Whitlam. So in 1972, you might be surprised to learn this, Rupert Murdoch actually throws his weight behind Gough Whitlam. Wow. And he's a huge Gough Whitlam supporter. And Mur- and Gough Whitlam could largely attribute a lot of his campaign success to Rupert Murdoch supporting his It's Time campaign. Murdoch felt betrayed, though. The two things that really peeved off Murdoch. Made him red. You know? <laughs> yeah, back to being red. Back Rupert. to being red, Rupert. I ditched that nickname. Yeah. <laughs> Number one, he blew off Rupert Murdoch for hangouts. So, Goff Whitlam did. Yeah. Rupert was like, come on. I think some of the effects of, I listened to it, it's on the podcast uh, called The 11th, which is the one about Goff Whitlam that the ABC did. They cover it in one of those episodes. John Menadue covers it. Basically, I can't remember the exact story. It was something to the effect of, like, Murdoch invited him out in, like, a boat party. And then Murdoch... And then, sorry, then Whitlam got a better better offer. And so he declined to go uh-huh. to the boat party. And Murdoch had been like, yeah, we've got the Prime Minister coming out here. It's going to be sick. And then Whitlam's like, oh, actually, I've got yeah. this other mate that I like more. He asked to hang out. I'm going to go hang out with him. Mm. That's pretty dog from Goff. It is. Like, yeah, you follow through with your plans. Yeah. The other big issue as well is that Manager suspects that Murdoch believed that he should be made the High Commissioner uh, to London. Sorry, say that sentence again. Who? So, what? John Manager. Yep. So, basically, he works for Murdoch uh-huh. and he worked for Whitlam. So, he worked with both of them. Yep. He has made the argument that Murdoch felt that he was owed the High Commissioner to London post. Okay. And Whitlam didn't give it to him. And so, mm-hmm. basically, Murdoch starts to get really angry with Gough Whitlam. And when it comes to Malcolm Fraser versus Gough Whitlam, he staunchly supports Malcolm Fraser. And in fact... As a- sorry, so at that time... He's just got the Australian and the Adelaide, or has he has he built a bit more of a, he's got a cu- an influence? He's got a couple of other mm. ones. So he's got some smaller papers in Brisbane, um, and actually starts buying local papers in Hobart and in Perth. Yeah. So he's developing he's developing his empire. Um, the other important thing is in 1972. I was going to come to this a little bit later, but I'll actually mention it now. In 1972, he buys the Telegraph. Packer. Yeah, off Packer. Exactly mm. right. Did you watch that Channel Nine TV series? No, I haven't. I didn't either. watch it, but. I'm a, I'm a little bit aware of, yeah, what happened. Because of Kerry Packer's involvement in cricket? Mm. Yeah, great. Which we'll cover <laughs> in the cricket episode. <laughs> True. We still do owe that one. So the, in 72, he bought the Telegraph off of not Kerry Packer, but Frank Packer. So Kerry Packer's yep. dad. Yep. So Murdoch's powerful. And Murdoch gives a directive to his journalists to, quote unquote, kill Whitlam. Hmm. So again, and he's so he's really exercising his power in the seventies, and he's starting to become quite the influential figure in Australian politics. So, like I said before, nineteen seventy-two, he buys the Telegraph off of Frank Packer. 
Frank Packer has said that he deeply regrets selling to Rupert Murdoch. The reason why is that because Kerry Packer started to have a huge rivalry with, so Kerry Packer, Frank Packer's son, started to have a huge media rivalry with Rupert Murdoch. What was Kerry Packer's big holding? Channel 9. Channel 9. At that point, it wasn't 9 Fairfax, so just Channel 9 at that point. (laughs) So Channel 9 versus Rupert Murdoch, huge rivalry. At that point, there was no Sky, no no Foxtel in Australia or anything like that of the sorts. Murdoch was entirely paper-based. Yeah. And on the other hand, you had Packer, who was Channel 9. It was kind of like TV versus print media rivalry that was going on. But they sold their print media to Murdoch. Exactly. Hmm. And that's a big... In the 80s, what happens is there's a big issue around, can Murdoch actually do this? Like, this is bad for democracy if one person has control over the information. And when he owns so much of the nation's media, is this actually okay for Rupert Murdoch to own such a big hmm. share of our media industry? Paul Keating said yes. This might surprise you, considering yeah, right. the way they treated Gough Whitlam. So basically, Murdoch becomes such an influential figure in Australian politics that he's always pushing whatever party it is, he's always trying to push them further to the right. So kind of open up with kind of more free trade and less regulation around private business and that sort of thing. So when Bob Hawke comes in in the 80s, Bob Hawke is not your Gough Whitlam type. He's very much the deregulation Labor guy. And there's a lot of Labor guys that hate Bob Hawke because they view him as selling out Labor principles by being Mm -hmm. pro-deregulation. In 86, Paul Keating is actually on a council, say kind of a cabinet. Hawke gets his cabinet to meet together and Keating's responsible for the decision on what to do with Rupert Murdoch. And Keating actually says, you know what? It's okay that Murdoch has such a media monopoly because it's just one medium. Mm-hmm. If he owned TV and newspapers, that would be an issue. But because it's just in newspapers, that's and newspapers are a declining industry anyway, that's fine. And also, the kind of subtext to it is that Keating had a bad relationship with Kerry Packer. And there's kind of some that have argued this is Keating putting the middle finger up to Kerry Packer. Mm-hmm. I, I watched How's That. Yeah, that's good. I think, like, he mentions in How's That is like, I sold the paper to Murdoch in the back of a taxi. Something like that. Hmm. Interesting. So that's that's Murdoch's rise to power in Australia. Murdoch, the thing that distinguishes Murdoch from all the other big news magnates in the world is that Murdoch does it in multiple countries. So you might hear, if you plug into America, you might hear if people talk of George Soros quite a fair bit. Um, Murdoch is different because Murdoch has power in Australia, America, Britain, China, and New Zealand. He's even got influence in China, which yeah, is wow. crazy to think about. So the kind of much more important question to ask is not just how did Murdoch rise to power in Australia, it's how on earth did a guy that owned the Adelaide News create Fox News? Like, that is insane. Mm. Like, he started with the... Like, again, imagine the owner of the leader coming up with perhaps the most famous news channel, bar maybe CNN, in all of America. So, in 1964, he starts making moves overseas and he buys the Dominion Post in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And so, basically, he makes a little move into New Zealand. He then moves into America and he buys his first American paper. What city do you reckon he buys his first American paper in? Ooh. New York. No. Though he does, New York ends up being his, his base. Boston. No. I mean, like... <laughs> it's one of the more... Uh, I'm going to make a point here. It's one of the more niche ones. Louisville, Kentucky. You're getting closer. Oh, really? Yeah. Think... Louisiana. Very close now. Getting, like, south... You're right to think south. Oh, like in Texas somewhere? Oh, whatever we have in Texas. Dallas? No. San Antonio? San Antonio. Oh, the Spurs. So, Is that how they keep getting number one draft picks all the time? <laughs> I don't know basketball very well. Oh, it's just anytime there's a generational talent in the draft, San Antonio seems to always get first pick. Is Greg Popovich still the coach? He is. Wow. So he's like the Alex Ferguson of... Yeah, yeah. Okay. He, he the goat. Wow. So basically, he buys the San Antonio Express back in the late 60s. And so he comes to take control of the San Antonio Express. Again, if you want to control America, that's not where I'd start. Mm. But it's just, it's a foot into the market. The issue is, is that you can't, like, he runs papers at a loss. The Australian still runs at a loss as it kind of starts off. Mm. 
So he doesn't actually have the finances just to keep buying up all these papers and to keep expanding. So he needs a moneymaker and he needs something that isn't politics because politics doesn't make money like some of the other ones. He buys the star. I was in, in the UK. Mm. US. Oh, wait, no, I'm thinking of the, the sun. sun. <laughs> yeah. It's just a very specific example yeah. of a star as he opposed doesn't, to He does own the them. sun as well. Yeah. yeah, okay. The star is basically like the TMZ of the 1970s. <laughs> and so, again, what makes money? It's like effectively Gossip Girl. And <laughs> that, that, that gives Murdoch a huge revenue boost. And he's like, okay, I've got to kind of engage in the dark arts of trash just to finance what mm. I actually want to do here. Because then the next year, next year, 1976, he buys the New York Post. Now, the New York Post, and that had been around since the 18, early 1800s, a hugely historic paper. It, the thing that made the New York Post unique was it was released in the afternoon. So rather than pick it up in the morning from the newspaper stand, um, it would be on your way home from work or your kind of afternoon break in New York or whatever. It's still around today. The year before Murdoch bought it, it made a $500,000 loss. And it was clear that this was a dying paper because who buys papers in the afternoon? Hmm. And so Murdoch, as he buys the New York Post, it's clear that this isn't for profit. This is for power. And that this is for actually, like, it's a, it's, it's a culturally significant purchase rather than it is a monetary purchase. So he buys the New York Post in 1976 and that gives him a strong foothold in the New York news market. That's not your San Antonio Express. That's a major newspaper that, sure enough, it does run at a loss, but it's a major newspaper, and that gets him some influence in New York. And that's really important because as the presidential election campaign goes on in 1980, the New York Post heavily supports Ronald Reagan. And Ronald Reagan actually attributes a lot of his success down to the New York Post supporting him in that election. And so now Murdoch has got some influence in America. Hmm. And he's starting to become, again, Kerry Packer, he's just confined to Australia. Again, sure enough, yeah, he gets his stand documentary made about him or whatever. <laughs> Americans have no idea who Kerry Packer is. Mm. Most Americans know who Rupert Murdoch is. Very successful in his own right. Yes. In terms of the star. The star was very helpful. The sun. The, so star, nothing- the star casino. Mm. Oh, right. So his own, his own yes. shining star. Yes. A couple of boys in the stars. <laughs> <laughs> so, we fast forward to the 1980s. And in 1985... Rupert Murdoch buys a 50% share in TCF. What is TCF? Mm. Is the first word the? No. Damn. It's like boating, camping, fishing, but but (laughs) replace the T with something else. (laughs) Telcom or television, television. Right industry, wrong word. Um. I like like the BCF idea though. (laughs) Like what's an outdoors word that starts with T? Um. Tree. <laughs> <laughs> First Towing. one that came to mind. Um, Towing. Tree climbing with a hyphen. Um, it was 20th Century Fox. Ah, of course. So basically, the background to that is there was a guy called Mark Rich. He was in trouble because he illegally traded with Iran and broke American laws to actually trade with Iran and actually broke US sanctions. What was he trading? I don't know, actually. Maybe yeah. oil, I guess. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Which is ironic because Ronald Reagan's government also broke the Iran sanctions deal themselves. So, mm, yeah. Um, yeah, the irony. So he then fled to Switzerland and he had to panic sell his shares. So Murdoch actually picks up Fox on the cheap for $255 million. It's That's cheap. Like, again, Steel. 20th Bargain. Century Fox, they'd made Star Wars by this point. Ooh. So mm. then what he does is he then buys the so other... He's got, he's got... He's in the billions now. Old mate, he's he's got racks on racks. Yes, because he then buys the other fifty percent for three hundred and twenty-five million dollars. So he has one hundred percent ownership of Twentieth Century Fox. Wow! In the eighties, and then he's like, so that's after all three Star Wars have come out. The originals, yes. Yeah. Not the Christmas, or maybe the Christmas mm. special as well. <laughs> or was Jack and that's got Rupert written all over it, the holiday special. <laughs> right. I need to take charge. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's go back. So, how, how, how's he making money? So, basically, that? so he's, he's, most of his newspapers are profitable. Sure, the Australian runs at a loss for a long while, but eventually. But the Australian's the one that, that he buys that propels him, right? In the 60s. So, we're talking okay. this is 20 years down the track. Yeah. Now. yeah. Okay. So, the star is the moneymaker. 
Yeah. Yeah, because that's the Hollywood trash that... Of course, of course. That, that gives his money. And then The Sun, in that's 1982, it. he owns The Sun as well. Yeah. And The Sun in the UK does the same thing. But I'll come to the UK a little bit later on. Yeah, yeah. So that's where he's making his money. You've then got all his other Australian newspapers. Because there's no competition in Australia, mm. everyone's just buying his newspapers. So mm-hmm. he's still making a lot of money off of Australian newspapers. But he's hoping that Fox can be... Um, he wants to get into the broadcasting network. And he's not really made any impact on TV broadcasting because it's all been print media so far. And so 20th Century Fox is his big purchase. And so basically Fox had made movies, but they hadn't really done TV. And so in the mid-1980s, he's like, we're going to start Fox TV. And he starts with, I believe, five channels, one of them being in New York. And that's really interesting because that actually violates the rule, the kind of media monopoly rules in America. They have the same principles as Australia. You're allowed to have a media monopoly if confined to one industry or one medium, I should say. Hmm. Because he had a New York station and he owned the New York Post, that was in violation of the FCC's rules. So that's really awkward because that's illegal. But the FCC, so the Federal Communications Commission, the commissioners are chosen by the president. In the 80s, the president is Ronald Reagan and Ronald Reagan actually owes Rupert Murdoch for helping him come to power. So mm. he's going to have to enforce a rule that's going to really peeve off the guy that's done him a huge favour in helping him get to power. What he gets the commissioners to do is to give him a two-year waiver to sell the New York Post. And so you've got two years to get rid of it. Eventually, he sells it for $37.5 million. What happens is actually in the 90s, a guy called Mario, mm-hmm. Mario Cuomo. Good name. Father of Chris and Andrew Cuomo. that ring. No. So Chris Cuomo, CNN guy, Andrew Cuomo was the governor of New York during COVID. Anyway, so Mario Cuomo, who was also the governor of New York, he persuades the FCC to actually allow Murdoch to own both of them because the New York Post is historic and because Murdoch's running it at a loss, if he sells it, it's just going to go crumble to pieces. And he's like, this is actually cultural heritage that we need to save. And so he actually persuades the FCC to give Murdoch an exemption from the rule. And so Murdoch is, in fact, allowed to own Fox and the New York Post in New York. Wow. So he gets a total free pass. The really interesting thing is that he's like, okay, we need to start our broadcasting network and we need to compete with the other big channels. Any ideas who the big late night comedian is in the 1980s? Leno? No, there's another one. It's not Norm oh, MacDonald, no, is it? It's the guy with the, the suspenders. I think so, yeah. Uh, no, 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 not Larry King. Uh, I don't know. Either. Larry King, CNN. Johnny Carson? Okay, mm. sure. So, Late Night with Johnny Carson is the big show in the 1980s. And so, what Murdoch does is he's like, we'll have our own Late Night comedian. So, he takes Johnny Carson's number two, a woman called Joan Rivers, and he starts the Late Night show with Joan Rivers. Imagine taking Andy from Hamish and Andy and being like, all right, You've had the Hamish and Andy show. Now, to challenge the Hamish show, we've got the Andy show. <laughs> and Johnny Carson was just incredibly outraged that Murdoch had done that to him and that actually Joan Rivers had bailed on him. Hmm. And he's like, of course I'd celebrate her own success, but you know, she didn't tell me or anything. But Joan Rivers flops. Okay. And Johnny Carson stays on top. So now Murdoch is like, okay, Fox needs to come up with its own show. Some, it's a completely original format, something that can actually challenge the Cosby show can challenge the Johnny Carson show and they come up with their own show any guesses to what that show is The Simpsons The Simpsons is correct is it wow. actually yeah wow so that's like the that's like Murdoch's poster child on in television is The Simpsons yes and obviously wow. Murdoch had Murdoch had no hand himself in writing the show or anything yeah but, but yeah he's the cr- sort of without Murdoch there is no Simpsons yes I'd say that's incredibly fortunate what do you mean? I just reckon that I don't know. It feels like a real hail mary that yeah yeah animated. true. There's no reason why it should have succeeded. Mm. Yeah yeah. But Apart it from did just been a good I don't show. think there was any yeah. like there was nothing really. Yeah. It was a really like a pioneer of a show. I don't think there was mm. anything like it beforehand. Yeah, I could be wrong. But. No, yeah, you're exactly right. So The Simpsons kind of is this huge success. The first Fox show to kind of crack the Nielsen top thirty. And really interestingly, The Simpsons becomes second to The Cosby Show. Cosby Show is number one still. Simpsons is second. And now Fox is in the game. And they've mm. actually developed a 
really successful show. And so Fox Broadcasting now is no longer this kind of this fringe new thing. It's a mainstream part of America. And so Murdoch's like, okay, we need to have a news broadcasting service that comes with it. Now, the background is that CNN was owned by a guy called Ted Turner. He's in like, he briefly pops up in a Family Guy episode, I'm pretty sure. Mm. Ted Turner and Rupert Murdoch had beef. It actually comes back to the Sydney to Hobart. Mm. <laughs> Ted Turner was quite quite the salesman. Ted Turner, was quite, <laughs> <laughs> Ted Turner was quite the sailor. And he participated in the Sydney to Hobart. The mm-hmm. owner of CNN was you know, just, yeah, I'll give Sydney to Hobart a go. Rupert Murdoch sponsored a yacht. Now, officially, it never intended to do this, but it actually rammed into Ted Turner's yacht and forced it to run aground 10 kilometres from the, from the end when they were in first place. Drama. <laughs> Ted Turner. You just gi- don't get that in the Sydney yeah. to Hobart anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Ted Turner gives Rupert Murdoch a spray. Understandably. Mm. Rupert Murdoch challenges him to a fight in Vegas. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, a, like a YouTuber boxing match. <laughs> Zuckerberg versus Elon. Yeah. <laughs> As in like a boxing fight. Yeah. Wow. Fair play. I like I- that. I feel like this episode is just Rupert Murdoch propaganda. He just he invented the Simpsons and he challenges people to boxing fights. Like, maybe he ain't so bad. <laughs> it's like, I remember, do you remember? So obviously Logan Paul vs. KSI was what what made it famous. Mm. But my, I was much more invested in KSI vs. Joe Weller. No, that was the original. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. Uh, Joe Weller vs. Theo Baker was the original. Oh, true, true. Um, I hey. remember actually being with... Yeah, I was, I was there. I, was I there. remember the KSI Joe Weller one very, yeah. very vividly. We were at the cricket watching Australia vs New Zealand out of 2020 with our friend Amani and I remember it was like the the night before the boxing match oh yeah and you were just like yeah Kassai's got him here <laughs> like Joe Weller's got no chance and I'm like I said that yeah doesn't sound like something I'd say but sure <laughs> like what does yeah. this what does what does this world become yeah <laughs> um, there you go so yeah, no. Um, they just copied Murdoch's idea. Again, Murdoch. For all yeah. we're talking about YouTube challenging Murdoch, Murdoch came up with all the ideas first. <laughs> mm. Again, he came up with clickbait first. He mm. yeah, had catchy thumbnails. <laughs> so 1996. It's like... 1996? Correct. Are we gonna, we're not talking about the Prem? Well, well, we're coming back to UK. We're coming, okay, coming back. Sorry. Yeah. sorry. 1996, Murdoch needs a news channel to rival Ted Turner's CNN. And so begins Fox News. Now, Murdoch's perception is that CNN is too woke and just too lefty. And he's like, when you cover, like, you know, wars in the Middle East, you're like, it's very delicate, very sensitive. We've got to do the right thing. I just get someone to say, let's just bomb the terrorists. We need someone, <laughs> like, someone on news to say that. And so Fox News begins and they start to get some high-profile hosts and some high-profile news anchors. The big scout that they get is a guy called Bill O'Reilly. Mm, yeah. I think I've heard the name. He got cancelled like in 2017, I think, for sexual harassment. But up until then, he was Fox News. Uh, yeah. I feel like cancelling isn't the wrong, isn't the right word there. He's just, he just sexually harassed. Like he just, did he get charged? Did he get? Like, well, no, because it's a har- harassment, not assault. Right. So like, it's just like inappropriate workplace behaviour gotcha. rather than criminal behaviour. Sure. Okay. So he. Anchorman 2, a bit of a parody on this time. Possibly. Yeah. I all I can remember from Anchorman Two is just how convoluted the plot became. There's a new like news channel and it's like world news and there's an Australian guy that's backing it. Ah, well yeah, surely, yeah. Who owns Koala Airlines. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember And the news turns into car chases and how you know, good's America. Because you know how in Anchorman one there's the the iconic moment is the street fight. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, boy, that really escalated quickly. Yeah. In Anchorman Two, they try and up that. Yeah, and it's and just like Kanye West is there. Yeah, and, yeah, it gets a little bit cringe when it's like I'm a celebrity guy and I'm here as well. I'm a celebrity guy and I'm here as well. And they just <laughs> keep, it goes on and on and on and on. Yeah, I remember at the time I was in your town. I was just like, Bravo, Bravo. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> this is cinema. it's not. It's definitely not bad. Yeah, it, uh, I, if I'm watching it ten years later, I'm like, well, okay, a lot of self-important well, people that are like, my cameo is going to be sure, great here for sure. For sure, like it maybe doesn't stand the test of time. Anyway. Bill O'Reilly was... Cricketer called Bill O'Reilly. Yeah. Well. One of the stands at the SCG. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. Every time I look at that, I'm like, wow, yeah. Americans must be so confused coming <laughs> over here. <laughs> because Bill O'Reilly 
basically was the poster boy for just saying outrageous stuff. So we think Fox News, we often think of like Tucker Carlson, who obviously left earlier this year, or Sean Hannity or one of those guys. Bill O'Reilly dwarfs both of them for popularity in the 2000s. And like, he's the guy's like, we'll do it live. You've seen, there's a man, that guy. Anyway, <laughs> he basically puts Fox News on the map. And in terms of his coverage, rather than having this kind of really moderated, like Larry King for CNN, this kind of quite measured coverage, Fox News is like, let's just play into being wild. And so, like, Bill O'Reilly, when he has guests on the show, is like, sir, 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 are you saying you support terrorism? You have it here first, folks. He's saying he supports terrorism. (laughs) And, like, that caricature of Fox News, it comes largely from Bill O'Reilly. So, by the early 2000s, Murdoch is a huge player in America. Fox Sports gets the NFL coverage, so he's got tabs on pop culture, on TV, on movies, and on news. When does, what, do you know what year? I think 2001, 2002. The NFL. I think so. Oh, okay. Sometime yeah. around there. We're going to go back in time to go to the UK. So, what's Murdoch's big, big UK paper? The Sun. The Sun. The other big one he owns is the, the Times and Sunday Times. Now, basically, in the 80s, Britain was getting their cable network together. It was called British Satellite Broadcasting. Effectively, British version of Foxtel. Mm-hmm. And so Murdoch, he wanted to have his own station included in that package. And he wanted to call out station Sky. British Satellite Broadcasting said no. So what Murdoch did, he's like, he's like, well, stuff you then. I'm going to create my own network. We'll call it Sky. Mm-hmm. And eventually British Satellite Broadcasting came to Murdoch and like, hey, can we have in on your network? Mm-hmm. And Murdoch's like, yeah, now, like, now he's coming, <laughs> coming back. The like, Sky Sports became so big that it actually led to... Division 1 breaking away from the Football League and becoming the FA Premier League rather than the rather than Division 1 and for any like non-football fans in our audience that breakaway is so significant that they don't actually measure statistics from the beginning of English football like very often your point of reference for an English football record is from the beginning of Murdoch's FA Premier League I had no idea that that was a Murdoch so they oh. broke away because, like, what was the Mo- justification? Money. Money, yeah. <laughs> As in, so it was like you stay with, you stay in Division One with this broadcaster or you you make the Premier League with Murdoch's yeah. broadcaster. and Exactly. Right, so it's all just, it was all just like Sky Sports engineered. Money basically. drove yeah, the beginning like, of the Premier League entirely. Yeah, wow. Broadcast rights. Yeah. And again, Murdoch wanted to kind of like brand and a lot, it. And a huge financial like incentive for the for the winners Mm. yeah and all the teams was it still like but it was still at that point you maintained promotion and relegation exactly right so you want a promotion into the premier league the sky sports premier league as opposed to get the sky sports money yeah which still stands today yeah Mm. so yeah absolutely insane and like yeah for any non-football fans listening like the the in the nrl for example to beat the try scoring record, we measure it from 1908, right? From mm-hmm. like the very beginning. Yeah. In the pre- what about Super League? Well, exactly. Not there's the- a bit of like, there's a little bit of grey area in the 90s in the NRL. A Murdoch failure. But was that Murdoch as well, actually? Yeah, it was. I didn't actually know that. Mm. Yeah, wow. So again, like, again, Murdoch actually has no interest in sports. Sure. Mm. So Murdoch is not interested in sports whatsoever. This is just his people. That he, he just sees it as a way of accruing power. Mm-hmm. Accruing power, I should say. So, basically, like, in in England, you measure the goal-scoring record from 1992, even mm. though football had existed since the early 18... Well, the mid-1800s. Mm. Yeah. But you measure the record from 1992. All, like, when they cite other ones, it's always, like, a real asterisk. Like, they'll mention, you know, some 1912 mm. guy that scored 48 goals in a season. Dick, Dixie so. Dean for Everton yeah. smashed, smashes any current goal-scoring records, hmm. but because he didn't do it in the Premier League era, yeah, it's not counted. Yeah. But Shearer, Shearer's goals before the Premier League era? Not counted, yeah. No way. Yeah, so the 262 goals, whatever he scored. It's a little bit more. So he's actually Wait, scored more. Alan Shearer. So Alan Shearer holds the current goal-scoring record in the Premier League. Hmm. Um, but there's he's got other maybe, goals. Maybe he's he, got other goals for, for Southampton that yeah. weren't counted because it was before... Murdoch's Premier League. Oh, right. So he should be like level, like way hundreds ahead. of goals. Way ahead. Yeah, yeah There's wow. not that many. 
It's a few. Yeah, like yeah. for like, yeah. like tons and tons. But, but like a hundred maybe? No, nah, no, I think he was like he's 40. Like, okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy how much power Murdoch starts to be able to yield. He also, who did he try and buy? Is it Man United? Man United, yeah. yeah. So Murdoch tried to buy out Manchester United in the 90s. Mm. How, what happened? It was very um, fortuitous, like that Manchester United, uh, Ferguson had been there five, six years, hadn't really done anything yet, but because they won that first Premier League under Murdoch is realistically the reason why they were able to like kind of dominate for the next 20 years. Of course, that's not the only reason. Right, but it but was such like a, a huge amount of money that they won. Yeah, like, like they were then because of that, they could then like the, the way the transfer system was, they could just get the best players. Mm. So Cantona, um, they might've got Cantona the first year. Actually, no, they got Cantona before the first year of the Prem, but yeah, they could just go have their the players they want. But in saying that as well, then there was also, they, they won the treble with five or six youth team players. Mm. But, but it's interesting because like, yeah. it's actually like, like, look at Blackburn won a Prem. They yeah, bought, they bought Alan Shearer. Jack, um, what's um, his name? Jack. There and I, Jack somebody. The manager? No. Ah, don't. Okay. <laughs> for, I thought it was an owner, wasn't it? For me, for Black- oh, yeah, yeah. No. I don't know his name. Yeah. yeah. And um, for Murdoch, they were... It was interesting because this is the guy that is funding the Premier League and he's going to own a club in the Premier League. Yeah. Mm. It's like, well, it's that's conflict of interest. So it didn't end up going through. Um, but yeah, that that's kind of where he was... And again, I wonder for Manchester United fans, as people, would you rather have the Glazers or Murdoch? Mm. <laughs> Who would you go for? Ah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> nationalised Manchester United. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's be um, it's it's pretty fair to say that the, the Glazers' reign is uh kind of not really been fantastic. <laughs> if you look at the last ten years. <laughs> Get that Murdoch. So, <laughs> Although the issue hasn't been money, it's been more. Well, but the Glazers, the Glazers only came in in the mid two thousand. Yeah, two thousand. Yeah. Um, so before then, it was all right. <laughs> so basically, Murdoch supported Tony Blair. So Tony Blair was similar to Bob Hawke in that he was the leader of New Labour, and a lot of Labour people view Tony Blair as a total sellout. And mm-hmm. Murdoch cheered Tony Blair on because he was like a right wing Labour guy. Fast forward to 2011 and Murdoch got in hot water. It was like the first time he'd been properly reprimanded. What happened in 2011? In the UK. In the UK. Fast forward the phone hacking scandal. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm. This was huge. It was okay. So maybe a little bit to your eye because I was in year eight at the time and I remember this being huge news. So basically from 2005... 2011, I was just gearing up for Bathurst, you know. (laughs) Not a lot else on my mind. (laughs) I've got preparation and debrief. (laughs) Ben, you need to come out of your room as Christmas. No, 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 no. Uh, I'm reflecting. Why did I I milk that cow? Um, So basically from 2005 to 2010, one of Murdoch's British newspapers called News of the World... They had been using private investigators and these private investigators had been hacking phones. That was known. The issue was is that the narr- known to the public or known to the public. Yeah, okay. The issue was that the narrative at this point was that the private investigators just went rogue. That they mm. just resorted to whatever methods they used. At the end of 2010, The Guardian published an article that re- revealed that a key person in news of the world, a guy called Ian Edmondson, actually instructed the phone hacking. Hmm. And so then there was a parliamentary inquiry into news of the world. And in terms of hacking hacking phones, it was hacking celebrities, uh, hacking war veterans, hacking natural uh, hatching, uh, sorry hacking disaster victims, hacking the phones of murder victims, um, and basically actually compromising police investigations because they're hacking into phones from people who've been murdered, so mm. that they can get a new story. So again, this was actually instructed from Ian Edmondson. There was a whole parliamentary inquiry David Cameron got up and was like it's a disgrace Murdoch sucks yada 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 kind of did a lot of grandstanding to try and distance himself from Murdoch as much as possible Murdoch was brought into the parliamentary so Rupert was actually brought into the parliamentary inquiry and 
basically they asked him point blank, do you take responsibility for what happened? And Murdoch said, absolutely not. And they're like, okay, what do you mean? It's like, I deny any responsibility in in this because it's just people who I trusted that went rogue. I just trusted the wrong person. Trusted the wrong people. Hmm. There was actually a video that was published two years later by Channel 4, which kind of had Murdoch on hot mic saying that he would sort out any journalist that went rogue. So if they went to prison or anything like that, he'd cover their legal fees and have them sorted, which goes against his narrative that he trusted the wrong people. But also, if he did set them up, he is doing the honourable thing of, <laughs> I'll cover your legal fees if you're acting on my mm. request. So tough. If he, if they have truly gone rogue, strange move to make. If you instructed them, it actually shows guilt in instructing by actually going and doing the honourable thing and, and covering them. Um, Murdoch's son, a guy called James, so James Murdoch, he was on News of the World. He had to step out of News of the World. He still was on News Corp, but he had to step out of News of the World, and it actually went defunct, and that newspaper had to shut down. In the 90s as well, they brought Sky News down to Australia. So Sky News was firstly in Britain, and they brought it down to Australia as well. And so Murdoch started to influence Australian broadcasting, not just with the Australian, but then also with Sky News. He brought a whole bunch of, like, smaller newspapers, and so he came to have regional control in areas, so particularly Queensland, which was heavily Murdoch-owned. And fast forward to the to 2020, Murdoch's kind of two main companies, 21st Century Fox, News Corp, I should say, so 21st Century Fox, News Corp. News Corp deals with print media, 21st Century Fox deals with predominantly digital media. Minus News Corp owning Sky News. Eventually what happens is Disney takes over 21st Century Fox. So that happened back in 2019. Mm -hmm. James Murdoch then leaves his position at 21st Century Fox because basically he comes to the opinion that it's gone too heavily in favour of Trump and that Fox has thrown too much weight behind Donald Trump. All that to say that when Murdoch resigned from being the chairman of News Corp back in September and the chairman of 21st Century Fox back in September, that left not James, but rather Lachlan Murdoch to step up and to become the new chairman and become the new Murdoch. Lachlan Murdoch has much more pro-Trump, pro-Republican, anti-Labor Party, anti-Union sympathies than James Murdoch has. Which leads us to think that when Murdoch dies the direction of News Corp and the direction of 21st Century Fox won't actually change all that much. Hmm. And so Kevin Rudd, back in 2020, got a petition to try and uh, basically cancel the Murdoch monopoly and break up the Murdoch monopoly and sell his companies off to other people. Um, That obviously hasn't gone anywhere, but he got to kind of appear before the Senate to plead his case. And that is where we're currently at with mm. Rupert Murdoch. I remember that. I think I might have signed that petition. I, I signed it as well. Yeah. I think that's the only petition I've ever signed. Yeah. Not <laughs> out of go away. Uh, a couple of change.orgs, I'm sure, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I obviously, um, yeah, like I, I looked a little bit into it just through like a, a sporting lens and seeing how the the, the the change was coming that way but kind of being the guy who's I don't know realised like people just really want to see sport and how valuable the mm. advertising is in sport so to just like yeah the reason that broadcasting rights are what they are today um, there's stuff before that as well but like the Premier, the Premier League was barely professional really before before then and it's crazy that it's come from a guy that doesn't even care about sport yeah. at all mm. this is just a tool to help him get people who he wanted to get into government in America mm. and still going strong at 93 mm. yeah and I think you should look into the, the, the Super League stuff Cam in the 90s because interesting as well because I believe that was a bit of a would be a rehash kind of between Channel 9 again as well and the rights to show um, the rugby league. Should so we? I don't know. I don't really know the his motive to do that, but I'm pretty sure he. 
just despite Channel Nine? Uh, no, I, I really I couldn't say the reasons, but to go and I don't know. The my understanding is just like, well, I'll just do it myself and create new teams. And actually, so you had the National Rugby League and the Super League running at the same time, mm. like for like a, a couple of seasons, and people would have to choose what to watch. And I guess there was some sort of compromise in the end because it goes back to the National Rugby League mm. but then the games are being showed on Fox yeah was that what he wanted all along is it just a bargaining chip to- yeah maybe wow maybe. I think we should do a live react uh, kind of Patreon reacts <laughs> to either How's That or <laughs> Murdoch versus <laughs> Kenny yeah. Packer the, the Stan series hmm could do. <laughs> <laughs> I, had a, I had a lot of fun reliving Rupert Murdoch. Hmm. Yeah, it makes me... Yeah. Um, circling back to where we started, and uh, I grew up without Foxtel, and so that would mean that um, whenever we were around at my, my grandfather's place or um, this this other like little holiday place that he owned in the Blue Mountains, which did have Foxtel... It was always just Simpsons marathons every Saturday morning. <laughs> so then, kind of like full circle to Fox, think, yeah, that's, Fox, you know, that's that was that was Fox, like quintessentially Fox. No wonder it was always on Fox Eight because yeah, that's Fox just was, that's just all it was. Fox Eight was so good. Fox yeah. Eight too. Um, <laughs> and also WWE. And yeah, like I think as we finish, we should, we should relive our both viewed parts of Foxtel and pay homage. Oh to yeah, Fox Eight for sure. One oh eight. Yeah, one oh eight. One five oh. 707. Disney Channel. Disney Channel. 701. Yeah. Nickelodeon. Yeah. Less so Nickelodeon. Yeah, I, I, I like that But I got, yeah, but so later, I looked, I used to look down on Nickelodeon, but then later on I was like, oh yeah, I, I respect it. Yeah. Then you had, like on the sports channels, you had obviously like main events you needed extra for for yeah. WWE mm-hmm. a lot of the Mate, time. I, Fox Sports News, like, I genuinely I I watched it every day. Yeah, I watched I should watched Eurosport news every day. <laughs> <laughs> so many typos, it was, it was so funny. I would just and like I sometimes I just watch it for hours. It was this, and it was the same show half each half an hour. Yeah, but I just kept watching it. <laughs> it was such a little five oh five. Was that Fox Sports news? They they changed it up. They changed. They always change the channels around. Five oh five at one stage. Five one three at one stage. Yeah. And five hundred. Do you remember there? I want to. There was so there was there was main event. So we needed to pay for for extra. Yeah. But as you move to the, like the five twenties, you get like, your really niche. Like you get your like exports and that sort of thing. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Do you ever watch Slam Ball? Yeah. Oh, big time. <laughs> there was a guy in your six that was like, "I'm a Buccaneers fan." <laughs> and I was like, are we at the point where we can just like say a slam ball team? Like we can say what a slam ball team is without even clarifying the sport is that we yeah. all universally watch this. I mean, it's interesting that didn't really, never really. I loved it. Kept going. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Couldn't get the, couldn't get in the Olympics. Three on three did. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. You have your music channels. All the 400. Yeah. Movies. Movies, 500s, sports, 600s, mm. news. Yeah. Uh, I remember there was uh, a special interest section, <laughs> which, like, you'd always just kind of, like, open up and, like, read the, the titles. And be like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. No, we'd never click on those no. forbidden channels. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. there was the, um, like, Arabic news and, like, the 800s and whatnot. So, mm. well... We hope you enjoyed. Unbelievable us. how much power this man has. Yes. Mm. Frightening. Crazy. Mm. And it's decided, like, so basically decided 2013, less so 2016, 2013, 2019, he basically decided the, the elections for in Australia through Nickelodeon. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it that. 